Welcome to the Mental Arsenal Podcast, your go-to resource for creating an extraordinary life and business from the inside out. I am your host, Master Life Coach and Business Success Coach, Chris Acebu. This podcast is dedicated to helping purpose-driven leaders and entrepreneurs and ambitious people like you thrive in life and business by mastering the inner game. Thanks for tuning in. Let's get started. Cole Birschback is a registered dietitian, a certified yoga instructor, and a certified unbeatable mind coach. Cole supports optimizing daily habits to support growth, things like breath control, mindset training, developing emotional resilience, and connecting deeply to passion and purpose. By identifying obstacles that hold people back, including patterns of thinking, stress accumulation, and conditioned behaviors. Cole helps those very people be empowered to choose a better, more powerful path forward. Cole believes that coaching will be at times uncomfortable, but it is in the discomfort that you will find a whole new trajectory of growth. Cole's capacity for support Accountability and deep listening creates an exceptional coaching experience. Cole co-founded Total Potential with her brother, Jake Taylor, to inspire parents worldwide to level up their self-development and create an amazing, fulfilling life for their whole family. They also co-wrote a book of the same name, Total Potential, How to Create a Culture of Growth and Wellness, so your whole family can thrive. Welcome to the show, Cole. Yay, thanks, Chris. I'm so glad to be here with you. Yeah, so so happy to have you on. So I love kicking off these episodes with giving my guests time to share a little bit more about themselves. So why don't we start off with you telling us a little bit about how you got to where you are now as a coach and walk us through that journey of getting to where you are now. Yeah. So I am a little bit of a self-development dork, <laughs> meaning <laughs> that I literally in the seventh grade went through all of life's little instruction books and highlighted and ranked and all these things that I thought were important. So th- these concepts have always been on my mind. Um, and then I really took seriously a path toward health and wellness. Both my brother and I were athletes and was really driven by um, what health and wellness could look like and provide. And so that's, uh, how I started out becoming a dietitian and being a dietitian is great work. It's super interesting, but I didn't love working in disease management. I really wanted to support people more in health and wellness and integration. And so that's really where total potential was born out of my brother and I were in this ongoing conversation. We had young families at the time, of, okay, you know, we want to do this work. We want to be working to find our best selves and, you know, really create a life of meaning and purpose. But all of the resources are telling us we have to spend three hours at the gym and we have to meal prep kid, you know, foods that our kids are never going to touch with a 10 foot pole. And it just, it left this gaping hole of, I don't want to be better despite my family. I want to be better with my family, because of my family, for my family. And so that's really where 
you know, we took a, a quite a pivot <laughs> into the work that we've done now and, um, coaching and all of that has been a byproduct of, of stepping into a space where we really felt there was a big need to reframe what family might have to offer people. Wow. That's so powerful. It's so nice to just get a picture of how, how you got to where you are now, especially doing it with your brother. I think it's so cool uh, because I am the eldest of six siblings and I'm very close with my siblings too. And we have a, we share a really beautiful bond. And I, I love that, that you conceive such a, a beautiful idea and business and concept together. And you created a, yeah. a company and a coaching business and a book out of that. Yeah, it's been a real gift to have that time together for sure. And to share a passion, you know, and really some purpose-driven work yeah. together. It's been really special. Yeah. And a part of your story that resonated with me too is that um, something that people don't know about me is that I graduated as a nurse and I worked as a nurse for a few months and I had that that same impulse too that I don't want to serve people in that capacity like nurses definitely have a, a purpose in the world but I always Absolutely. I always felt like I want to serve more like in the health promotion area and the and the disease prevention versus in the in the treatment <laughs> area and I feel like I can make a more impact that way and um yeah, that kind of just like led me to one thing and to the other. And then now we're here doing the show. <laughs> yeah, it's awesome. Yeah. What I really like about what you guys do is really this emphasis on family. And I like how you shared earlier that developing and achieving things and striving for success, not despite your family, but with your family, growing with your family. I think in the world right now, there's this idea of being so self-reliant and independent and having this thinking of like, I'm going to do it all by myself. Mm -hmm. But our greatest achievements can only be achieved with the support of other people, right? Even if that's not even the immediate family, but there's always an as a social aspect of other people. You know, we have ourselves tricked in, in that independent mindset it's great to be able to rely on yourself to know that you have the skills and tools available within you to really do anything, because I believe that that is true, that we can do that. However, we are human beings and we are wired for connection. And we are telling ourselves a joke that be, somehow being separate from one another is going to help us find our best. And that's simply not how our biology, our, you know, neural pathway, like none of us operates in that way. And so we need to start telling ourselves a better story about how we connect and why we connect and who we want to connect with and really be mindful about it rather than, you know, the distance between us is getting greater, not smaller. And that's, that's a real threat to our capacity as humans and a, and to what we can accomplish that as any one person. My experience has been when the team, whether that's your work team, your family team, uh, you know, a training team, like any team, when they really have the team's best interests at heart, that whole team exponentially performs better. So if you're looking for your best, like who's your who's your crew that you're committed to serving and that is has that same mindset where they're committed to serving you because that's where the real power comes from. Right. And sometimes, and as I shared in the intro, 
one of your beliefs around coaching is that, yeah, it's uncomfortable. And I want to maybe have a conversation around that because with our family, it can get really uncomfortable. Like you can get to uncomfortable places and you might have uncomfortable conversations. And that's hard for a lot of people. Uh, and sometimes people don't go there and, and how they manage that is they separate themselves from their family, they move away. Uh, what are your thoughts on how people can navigate in that area of getting uncomfortable in the context of developing and growing with your family? Yeah, I think there's a huge need for a reframe around discomfort in general, because if something makes you feel nothing, it just mm. means that it is. But if something makes you feel uncomfortable, we think that that should be labeled as bad, but it also just is. And so we are the ones who create a relationship to the discomfort. Now, my own experience is that discomfort is actually showing you the path forward. If something mm -hmm. feels uncomfortable, you're probably starting to get to the right place. Because, I mean, how would you ever grow if you only ever feel perfect and joyful mm -hmm. and like, what would ever change if that was the day in and day out of your life? What would you commit to if everything was just easy? You'd commit to almost nothing. And so I think there's just a huge opportunity to reframe what it means to get uncomfortable. Now, if you're just getting started along that process, okay, well, if there's a scale of one to a hundred, maybe you pick something that feels like a five to start embracing discomfort. Maybe once a year, you do something that feels like a 95, right? But there's all these things we can do along this scale that teach our system that we, first of all, are capable because the amount of confidence that we build from doing those kinds of things that make us feel uncomfortable or make us feel like, oh my gosh, what am I getting into? Those things, the, building those reps, that is like your brain like just growing and growing and growing and, oh, I've got this. And what's the next thing? And, oh, hey, I've done that before. It's no big deal. So in family, the reason that gets so interesting is because these are such close relationships. And especially like in our children, a lot of the behaviors we see are, are mirrors that are showing us something about our own selves because you know it's almost like you're not with every child and not every behavior, but you're almost watching your own patterns reveal themselves through these young children. Mm. And so your buttons are going to get pressed. I mean, every one of them is going to get pressed. And instead of looking at that as our children need to learn to behave, which I mean, yes, we're parents, like we're guiding them in this world. There's all kinds of dynamics taking place. But if we could start to shift that like, oh, my my child's having a temper, temper tantrum and it's making me feel something. Mm. Now I have an opportunity to change how I want to bring myself into that uncomfortable situation. It's uncomfortable because I feel a certain way about the behavior, not because of the behavior. So mm. there's... There's a, a lot around what it means to be uncomfortable that I think we can reframe. But in family, there's a massive opportunity because everything that you're going to see is going to be showing you something. It's not always going to be what the other person, yeah. their life is expressing. It's what you're experiencing based on that. So there's a huge opportunity to just see that if I'm triggered and I feel uncomfortable with my family, I always tell myself a mental like, 
thank you for showing me this thing that I didn't see before. And now I do because now I get to work on it. Now it's right in front of my eyes and I can't deny it. So these are gifts. They're not, they're not things we should chew away. They're like the ultimate gift of what life is trying to teach us. Yeah. I love how you share that because in the world right now, there's this attitude of avoid toxic people at all costs. And anything that triggers them gets labeled as a toxic person and you need to cut ties. You need to unfriend or unfollow people who are toxic. And maybe in some context, that's appropriate. Sure. But I really love that reframe. And that is so powerful. And to our viewers and listeners, really, a reframe is just a change in thinking. So reframing, when we get triggered as an opportunity to learn something and to inquire and ask questions and, and see what you can work with with the trigger. These days, people are so, I don't want to get triggered or I feel triggered. And the how we perceive that, it's like it's a bad thing. Well, I really like what you shared because when we feel triggered, it means something has come up. It's like a wound has resurfaced, an old wound has resurfaced. And that's a good thing because now you have the opportunity to tend to the wound, to heal Mm -hmm. it, to clean it, to disinfect it and and patch it up. And that really creates a a change in, in attitude and how we deal with people. And Really, even when you get to that point, when you cross that bridge where when people trigger you, you're grateful because you have ascribed such a powerful purpose on other people that when they bring something up for you, they're helping you heal. Like when people do something and it triggers something, it's not them who's triggered, it's us. So there's something that we need to work on. And to me, what bring what that brings up is also in the areas of locus of control. Like we can't really control 100% how people behave and react, but we always have control in how we behave and, and react or more appropriately respond. Yeah. And it's a power move as a parent because if you can teach your children just by modeling the example That's so that, yeah. that you can run into something that you don't like and you can manage your own emotions through that. You can change your own language around it. I mean, these are skills that become just part of their wiring. Whereas, I mean, I had amazing parents, but I've had to learn these skills as an adult. Not They were not born into me through my upbringing. And so the chance to give our children those kinds of models that raises a generation of children who behave very, very differently in the world. And for, you know, there's no judgment, it's not better or worse, but there's a lot of good that can come from that. And that is, you know, there's a lot of pressure when it comes to parenting, like to be enough, to do enough, to be as good as you can as a parent. And to me, this is the kind of practice that alleviates some of that pressure because it is a so empowering to us in our own human existence, plus how empowering it is to our children at the same time, that it really alleviates the like, did I do enough? Well, of course I did because I showed up today and committed to doing the best by myself and by, you know, my own practices and modeling for my kids. And when I mess up, I say I mess up. I mean, these are all things that teach our children incredibly valuable lessons for their future as well. 
Yeah. And also really transcending our own personal experiences with our parents. Because I feel like for a lot of people, like it feels a little bit difficult to rise above their own personal experience. Like for a lot of people, we want to acknowledge that not everyone is brought up in a healthy upbringing. Some people grow up in abusive households and not just physically, but also emotionally, psychologically. And yeah, sometimes it's hard to rise above that. But it's important to acknowledge that that we can, that it is a possibility and it, that it starts with us. And maybe that can mean healing those wounds with our parents and and working on ourselves. I, I really like your emphasis on self-development and, and modeling too, and also giving ourselves grace. I like how you said, I did my best and that's what really matters. And also very powerful that you mentioned owning up to where we get things wrong. You know, yeah, yes. I messed up. I messed up owning up and, and being okay with that. You know, we're not perfect. We'll make mistakes and we'll yeah. screw up at some point in some area. But it's that taking that ownership, that responsibility and, and accountability, I think is so powerful. And being able to demonstrate that to our kids. Maybe even we can talk about, you mentioned earlier, tantrums, how as parents, if we can emotionally regulate and demonstrate that and being able to be okay with emotions and modeling how to process emotions. Because I think for a lot of people, the attitude is always, don't cry, stop crying. And mm -hmm. the indirect message is just like, okay, it's not correct or it's not right to express my emotions or something like right. that. So right. I think that's really powerful too. And then emotions get categorized, right? As emotions that are okay and safe to have because people around me allow me to have them versus emotions that are off the table, shouldn't be experienced. They're, I'm going to get in trouble for them. I'm no longer safe when I express that emotion. And, you know, we have this super deep link to our emotions. And emotions are very powerful because they give us cues about what's happening in our environment, what's happening in our body, what's happening for us mentally. But emotions are like clouds. They're like things that just pass by. They they don't we they only belong to us when we hold on to them and decide that we're going to keep them. Everything else just can be flowing in and out. And for our children to be able to experience an array of emotions. I mean, something that is very, very obvious, especially in Western culture, in Western culture, is that the emotional range is like five total emotions. I mean, I have clients who I have to provide a, an, a list of emotional words just so that they can even start to maybe identify ones beyond the two or three that they normally know that they experienced. Yeah. And that's a really limited human experience. And to think that I, when a sensation pops up and I only have two or three options, like that is so boring. <laughs> Our lives are <laughs> so much broader yeah. and more expressive than that. Right. So yeah. number one, we need to have those experiences. So letting our children have a whole bunch of different types of emotions and does it help Hey, what are you feeling? Where do you feel that? Do you notice what 
happened outside of you that made you start to feel that way? You know, these can be important questions for our children to understand emotions, but we don't have to hold on to them like they belong to us. And why we decide certain emotions are on the table and some of them are off the table tables, super bizarre. Like they're just emotions. Give yourself five minutes. You're going to have a different one. So yeah, let's just let it go. <laughs> I love that. That's so true. I mean, emotions are, have a fleeting nature, like they come and go, but this is why it's so powerful to really model the way for children is that emotional intelligence is not really emphasized or taught in schools. No. So they, we really have to model that for our kids and, and show them the way in that domain. And I like what you shared about having a broad emotional vocabulary. I think that's a big aspect when it comes to becoming more emotionally intelligent is being able to name emotions. That's one of the things that you can do for yourself is get familiar with the ranges of emotions. And when you feel emotions come up, use that as an opportunity to name that emotion or know that emotion a little bit more. And that will really help you deal with it. And I know it's it's such a weird visualization, but I always remember like exorcism movies because <laughs> I love horror films. And, you know, the way you exorcise the demon is like you need to call out their name. Like, tell me your name, demon, before the exorcist can exorcise. <laughs> but in the same way with emotions, we need to be able to sort of like name the emotions in order for us to be able to deal with it. I recently uh, read the book Living Untethered. and one of the concepts he presents in that book is that most of the time our happiness is, well, happiness, content is a word I like to use a lot better, is really closely linked to our ability to be present and mm. to actually allow something to come all the way into our consciousness. And this has been a really powerful insight because, you know, there are things we will choose to let all the way in really joyful moment a really um you know falling in love seeing your baby for the first time like for but for some people that would be actually like experiencing that kind of joy would actually be super uncomfortable so they might not completely allow that fully into their consciousness but when we experience trauma or hardship or negativity Oftentimes we resist those experiences and don't allow ourselves to be fully present to them. And so what happens is they stay mm, and yeah. then you're, that emotion is like in there because it never got to come all the way in and through instead it came yeah. partially in and stuck. And I think with emotions, that's a really important way to think about experiencing a broader range of emotions. Can I allow myself to let any one emotion, good, bad, neutral, whatever it is, come all the way into my consciousness where I'm completely present to it to the point that like, if it comes and then goes, I'm cool with it. Cause if yeah. it does anything else that tells me I wasn't fully present to it because otherwise it would have just come and gone like emotions do. And so yeah. that's been a really important insight um, and honestly, like traumatic healing kind of work uh, in my own experience. But just 
they're just emotions. We can let them all the way in. Nothing's going to happen. It's we're going to be okay on the other side of it. I think we all have, especially for people who are not into self development yet, who are not familiar with these concepts. Like, I think we have a very weird, if not toxic, relationship with emotions, and it's nice that we get to talk about it. Uh, in this episode and to our viewers and listeners, like I really love what Cole shared about letting emotions through. I think emotions or some people might call it feelings. Feelings just want to be felt. That's it. Exactly. <laughs> but then when we don't have the mental emotional tools to deal with them, our attitude is always avoided, especially for emotions that are uncomfortable or unfamiliar or have been throughout our lives labeled as not good emotions or bad emotions. Mm -hmm. So our attitude is always suppression or avoidance. So for a lot of people, the attitude is like, you know, distract themselves or the question is always like, how do I not feel this? How do I stop right. feeling sad? How do I stop feeling grief? And the emotion when we have that kind of attitude, it does not pass through, right? you know, and just for the semantics of this, I think in a lot of coaching circles, this is what we call a block, like something gets blocked in our system. I think that book is so beautiful, right? By Michael Singer, like it forms something in your nervous system. I think he calls it a samskara and, yeah. you know, that, that gets blocked and the, the flow of energy is there's an obstruction. And we need to allow those emotions to pass through. And I really like how you shared something so powerful. It's just being present with the emotions, sitting with the emotions, being with the emotions. And like I said earlier, feeling the emotions, allowing yourself and giving yourself that permission. I think we have unsubscribed ourselves from that, giving ourselves permission to feel. <laughs> Yeah, that's so good. I love that you shared that. Yeah, it's it's a hard learning curve, but it's, you know, some of the more important work that we can do. Yeah. <laughs> if we can start it's, to shift our relationship with that, I mean, we can shift our relationship with just about anything. So it's important work. Yeah. And, and very early on in the episode, you talked about how the more you allow yourselves to sit with this discomfort to do uncomfortable things, the better you become at it. It becomes easier. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. Take that first rep, you know, the first, you know, it, it's this work becomes so tangible. It's become so easy to identify. Like what's an emotion I don't really like to experience. Okay. Well, for me, one is anger. Okay. Mm. Well, for me to experience anger, let's go back to that scale of like one to a hundred like, I do not like I will go to great lengths to not experience anger at a hundred in my own system and in other people's systems. Well, that's so interesting. How can I start to shift my relationship that I don't, I'm not making choices in my whole life, every decision I make as a way to avoid anger. Like, how is that ever going to help me? I'm never going to get where I'm going. I'm going to come across people who are angry. I might feel angry, right? Like these but if if you know that that emotion's at 100 for you, okay, no problem. Which one at a 10 is uncomfortable for you? Okay, well, for me, that might be something like jealousy. Like, I don't, that's not an emotion I feel very often. It's not something I really 
but I wouldn't love it if it were coming to me, but I would be fine. Like I could handle it. Okay. Well now I have my starting point. I can entertain that emotion. Even just in my mind's eye, I can, you know, conjure up a situation. I recall that was somebody felt, I felt they were jealous of me or I felt jealous of them. Right. I can see this in my mind's eye and watch what happens with my body just Mm. through my own experience and then sit with it for a second and watch it flow away. Right. And then we can start maybe a 50 for you is joy. Maybe bliss is like horrifying for you to experience. Okay. Well now I'm going to, you know, work my way up the ladder so I can just let these things be instead of something that I literally make circles in my life trying to avoid or catch. Yeah. And then Holy Hannah, our life is, you know, directed by our choosing or avoiding emotions. And what fun is that? Like there's too much good to happen, like on a more straight and narrow path than this, like, I can't go over there because that thing I don't like to experience and I don't want to experience. So there's a lot of really simple practices you can do to start to get comfortable with emotions that are, it doesn't have to be the 100. (laughs) It can be the, you know, 5, 10, 15, if you're ready to start having some emotional tolerance for these different things. Yeah, I love that. And that just relates to physical training too. Just like we train the muscles in the gym to get stronger and stronger, incrementally like we don't we can't lift you know really heavy weights if you're starting right the, the same thing applies to the mind right the mind is also a muscle a lot of things get trained also if we allow ourselves to to go there and, and do those things and and something that came up from me from what you shared is about like okay bringing an emotion in your mind's eye or sorry, a situation that brings up an emotion and so powerful. And I think it's really worth mentioning to notice the body. Because I think for a lot of people, when an emotion comes up, they're all in their head. They're all like, uh, there's all these like thinking, trying to rationalize, trying to justify, trying to analyze. And that's not where the emotions live. Yeah, I mean, our... You know, it's super interesting in this day and age. We have essentially been conditioned to like use our neck up Mm. (laughs) like bobbleheads. (laughs) (laughs) And it's just so unfortunate because our body is full of intelligence, the intelligence of the heart, the intelligence of the gut, the intelligence of the fascia. I mean, our bodies are incredible. And if you want to really get in touch with what your body's storing as far as emotions. If you want to get in touch with what's happening for you mentally, but you don't feel like you have a good gauge on it, check in with your body. Like if I'll I'll give you a really simple example. Historically, I have lived in a very inflexible body. Oh, well, guess what? I was really mentally inflexible too. Like (laughs) these things are mirroring each other. And so it's not a problem. It just is, but we can start to use our body as, I mean, something so powerful, not only like the capacity of a physically healthy, well body and what that body goes and does and how it serves in the world. I mean, that is incredible by itself, but in terms of mental, emotional training, 
your body is giving you so many clues to what's happening for you. And if we turn that all into a mental process, we're missing a massive opportunity to actually know what is going on for our system. In an inter- like we are a one being. We can't take the head and mind away from the body. And so why we try to relate to ourselves in that way, it's not our fault. I mean, that's kind of how we've been conditioned to be. But mm-hmm. when we can come from an integrated place and and from my mind, I can actually access the information of my heart. That, that is a power move. I mean, these are skills that, man, if you want to show up and serve in the world in a powerful way, like these are the types of skills that allow you to be something way more than just a, you know, mental mapping machine. These are that this is like the ultimate human experience to be able to use the whole of yourself to then go and do powerful things in the world. Oh, that's so good. <laughs> you articulated <laughs> that so beautifully. And speaking to like integration, really, it's not like one isolated part and one isolated part. It's a whole, it's a holistic approach. And we have concepts on like mind-body connection and even a concept of neurohacking where I think a lot of people have an attitude of like always change from the from the top bottom, but there's also a bottom-up approach where, because they always say like, it always starts with the mind and yeah, there is some truth to that. Like when we change our thinking, like things change, but also, especially if things are too hard or heavy handed, like mentally, like sometimes making changes in the body changes the mind. And this is why it's so powerful to even just a change in posture or getting yourself to move, you know, or if you're feeling meh, (laughs) sitting down, like just standing up, (laughs) changing your body position and doing stretches. And I think that's really powerful. And it's a great way also to get out of uh, an emotional rut. Sometimes it's like, sometimes if you're too hunkered down in one position, like move, moving. Yeah. Yeah. And exercising, stretching, yoga, any form of movement, Tai Chi, martial arts, uh, sports, I think it's so powerful to allow the body to move. And yeah, everyone says exercise is good. It really is, especially for the mind. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. If you've lived, I mean, I had the blessing of being an athlete from a young age. And so um, in the early part of my twenties, I had a handful of years that kind (laughs) of sliced in there here and there where I wasn't the most fit. Like when I was pregnant, I was super sick and I wasn't doing much other than walking, right? So I've had these experiences of living in a very fit and well cared for body and living in a not fit body. And I can tell you with 100% certainty that your mental clarity, your ability to focus, your ability to connect, all of it is linked back to the capacity of the body. So if that's not something that you're currently experiencing, there's an enormous opportunity to start to have a, a completely new experience of daily life simply by getting back in touch with your body and moving your body intentionally because we are one. <laughs> you cannot yeah. you cannot separate us. We are one human being and I I have this saying written on my mirror, build the temple. Like if I'm living in my own temple, it's my job to build that temple. So something to commit to every day. I love that. Build the (laughs) temple. Yeah, take care of this temple. 
Yeah, because it is the means through which we can do good in the world. Yeah. And even in high performance, right? You cannot separate high performance or peak performance or to make it practical, actualizing your best self, being your best self without exercise, without physical activity. Like it, it goes together. Like you have to do that movement and, you know, to make this less intimidating for people who are not well versed with exercise Again, it doesn't have to be a specific kind of exercise. You don't have to go to a gym. You don't have to do cardio or calisthenics. Do something you enjoy. Like if you like taking sure. a walk at the park, if you like going out cycling, going on your bike, if you like taking a hike or walking around the block, something that you enjoy. If you like yoga, tai chi, dancing, like do that. You know, because a lot of people like, oh, it has to be this. It has to be that. Like, I have to do these crunches. Like, no, like, do something you enjoy. Because when you come from that place, there's no resistance because you enjoy it. (laughs) Your attitude with movement is like, I have to do this. And you're dragging yourself out of bed to go out for a run. And you don't want, you don't like jogging. Right. So, yeah. (laughs) There's a huge opportunity with families, too, because... I mean, if you don't have a, you know, routine or something that you're super passionate about pursuing an exercise, just play with your kids. They're going to want to run around. They're going to want to do an obstacle course. They're going to want to climb up to the monkey bars. Just embrace the activity that is part of parenting. You know, my husband and I used to always joke because we would go to the park and play with our kids there, not a hundred percent of the time because they want to do their own thing. And sometimes they have a game that you know, is beyond my capacity. Like when they crawl on the jungle gym, but with their (laughs) eyes closed, I'm like, I'm for sure going to hurt myself. So this is past what I'm into today. Um, but it would always be so funny because my husband or I would be up there and the kids from all over the park suddenly are just like flocking toward us. All they want is that kind of engagement. Our children are desperate for that kind of play and engagement and connection and fun. And so if you, if you're not a runner, no problem. If you're not a CrossFitter, no problem. Don't know how to do yoga, no problem. Just embrace the activity that's part of playing with children because it's such a power for connection within the family. It's an opportunity to play and laugh and get silly and mess up and all of these things that, you know, we really value with our kids and, and, oh, by the way, move your body at the same time. So it's a real, I mean, that's a two for one that, you know, ticks a lot of boxes. I love that. And just the (laughs) one word, even play. Oh gosh. Like as adults, like we have so unsubscribed from play. We don't allow ourselves to have fun and play and, and do childlike things and, and really take on that childlike wonder and awe. And yeah, I think like we need more of that in our lives. Like we're too like focused on stress and focused on working towards society's definition of success that we forget to give ourselves a break and really just take a moment to enjoy life. And I like that, you know, to our viewers and listeners who are parents, like bringing back what Cole said, like, yeah, play with your kids and have fun, 
really. I think like for a lot of people, like they bring their kids to the park and they're like, they're just sitting there waiting for them to get tired and it's I mean, time to it's go just, home. <laughs> it's so, I don't, I, there's no judgment because every single person is just trying their best, right? Like there's the people who go to the park and that's the 10 minutes that they're going to have to make an important phone call where there's not somebody hanging on their leg. Like there is no judgment of how people decide to spend their time. There is, however, still an opportunity that if you go to the park and you're scrolling on Facebook or Instagram, that's not a productive use of your time. That's not helping you relieve stress. That is like mind numbing activity. So why not opt into something that's more useful to you in every possible way, connection, moving your body, releasing stress, getting fresh air. It's like all these things are happening at one time if we just decide that we can show up like that. So again, there's no judgment of the person who goes to the park and needs five minutes to sit by themselves. I get that. I've been there, done that. But the the choice of just sitting and scrolling or doing nothing versus engaging, there's there's a, a lot there for our, our relationship and our mind-body connection. Yeah, absolutely. And thanks for sharing that. Like, this is not about judging anyone. Like, we all have our unique curriculum in life. And I think what Cole is trying to say, like, it's all about intention. Like, are sure. you being intentional about this? And I, I think a really powerful word that you shared is really engagement, full engagement. Like, are you there? Are you present with your child? Or are you just going through these mind numbing activities out of habit? You're not intentional about it. It's, it's fine. Like we're not villainizing making a phone call or being on social media, but it's about intention or maybe even doing that. And then, okay, and subscribing from that, putting that away, and then right. joining your kid. Like, it's not like black and white. There can be some gray. For sure. And yeah. Yeah. So good. <laughs> <laughs> so before we got on this episode, you shared something with me. And you said that your deepest held coaching belief is that all the answers are already inside us. We just have to get quiet enough to hear them. Can you elaborate a little bit on that? (laughs) You know, a lot of times when people enter a coaching relationship, they're looking for answers. And I can understand that. I mean, we're all, you know, what is the right thing to do? What is the right move? What should I be doing with my life? Like we all need support on these kinds of things. But one of my deepest held beliefs is that every answer is already in you. The, the challenge to finding or hearing those answers are a couple of things. Number one, our brain is too busy. We mm. have to, have to, have to find ways to quiet the mind. Otherwise, that chitter chatter going on in the background that number one is mostly negative. Number two is so many of the same thoughts that we've been having day after day after day after day. And Number three, so many of them are not true. They're just, oh, they're rooted in nothing. Like they're like phantoms of our imagination. It's unbelievable the things our brain will come up with. And so we have to learn to train that spinning nature of the mind. There's a lot of really easy ways to do that. And then there are, of course, like deeper practices that once you have 
you know, some reps on these easier things, you can start to explore and experience. But something as simple as can I slow my breath down? It doesn't even have to be to account. It doesn't have to be anything. But there are tons of practices along this, you know, line of uh, thought that help regulate the chitter chatter of the mind. Another incredible thing is what we were just talking about, exercise. Like some of the most powerful ideas I have ever come, and this is where it gets complicated because our intuition and our thinking mind for a lot of people, people aren't able to really distinguish those two. Like what is intuition versus what is just a thought that came up? And I always say intuition is more of a knowingness or an understanding where something just is and it is so crystal clear and so true for you that it almost like, can you run it through the thinking mind just to clarify the idea? Sure. But most, it rarely needs that. So these two things are a little bit different, but when we start to quiet the mind through breath work, through exercise, then these, like these knowingness, this information that just is right there and present is available to us because the mind has become quiet. So these are what I mean when all the answers live inside of you. These bubbles of intuition that pop to the surface in a way where all of a sudden you understand them. And I don't mean understand as in the brain has language that it gives to this experience because that it might not. You might just like in your heart know something, or you might just feel compelled to move towards something. It's not going to always be something that your brain's like, oh, here are the words to that idea. So I think for a lot of people that can be challenging to wrap their head around because we're so tied to our thinking mind. But these that's where the answers are. For some people that's going out in nature and getting really in tune with the sounds and the way the air feels and, uh, you know, the way the warmth of the sun feels or the way the grass feels under your feet, like that, it can be an experience that can quiet the brain so that you can start to hear your own inner voice. So there's a lot of ways to get to that quietness, but it's in my mind, it's a requirement to actually Mm -hmm. find the answers you're looking for. Because when, as a coach, if I'm sitting with you, Chris, and, and supporting and asking questions, I have no idea what your answer is. And I don't want it to be what I think your answer is, because then that comes from me, not from you. Mm. So yeah, the, the quietness is a prerequisite to really hearing the answers that are our own truth. And we tend to hear them when they're our own in a sequence that actually matters for our life. Whereas hearing an idea that maybe makes sense, but there's no way to like fit it into your current situation, then it just lingers out here like an idea. And it's always just out here because we have no way to fit it in. But when we get Mm -hmm. quiet enough, the answers that we need right now or for the next best step, those are the things that can really rise up to the surface when we let our thinking mind just relax. <laughs> It'll be there later for us, but we, yeah, have to tame that busy, busy mind. Wow. <clears throat> that is so powerful and definitely a requirement, a necessity in this overwhelmed world, in this information overload 
world in this hyper connected, which really is an irony because you know, I know with social media, it's so separate, <laughs> more disconnected, right? But really slowing the mind and an awesome action prompt for our viewers and listeners is with what Cole shared in addition to exercise is the breath. Oh my gosh, like we have access to that any time of the day. It's a free resource, but we don't tap into that free resource. And the thing with the breath is like we do that automatically. Even unconsciously, we just breathe, right? But when we bring our consciousness to the breath, when we're conscious about the inflow and the outflow, we are in the body. We're outside of the mind. So to our viewers and listeners, oh my gosh, I could not even articulate how powerful being conscious with the breath is like even just taking a breath just one breath can really the term we use is ground your nervous system you know really just center you i really like the semantics of this when we say inspiration to take a breath in Mm -hmm. it's the same word as inspiration and how we break that down it's like inspiration is just in spirit we're in spirit when we're with the breath so even as to our viewers and listeners if you're listening to this now just taking a moment to just take that breath now like really slow down the breath yeah our physiology influences everything that happens in the mind right and so if you want to really quickly shift your physiology The breath is the fastest way to do that. Can you shift your physiology through exercise? Yes, you can. Can you shift your physiology through diet? Yes, you can. But these are not going to have the same instantaneous impact that breath does. So if you, I mean, controlling your physiology allows you to control the mental pattern of the mind. And you can use that in both directions. And I think, you know, we often talk about using the breath to down regulate and that's super powerful. And for the vast majority of us, we need that. We need it all day long. We need it before we go to bed. We wake up in the morning, like we need the down regulation. And if not down regulating at the very least centering. However, you can also use breath to increase energy and to increase flow and focus. And so it's like, I mean, how does one thing that we do all day long influence the whole gamut of our human experience? And it happens nearly instantaneously. I'm not sure if you're familiar with the warrior breath, but it's a really, well, not that's not its technical name, but it's what I call it. The warrior breath is a, a really deep inhale through the nose and a really forced exhale through the mouth. If you do that 10 times, you will be tingling in your fingertips, like your whole body will change from just a few reps of a practice like that. And that's an elevating practice. So Mm. that same thing is possible in the other direction with a slower pattern. So it's, yeah, I I mean, our breath is incredible. That's such an awesome nugget of wisdom. Thanks for sharing that. You know, because I think like we get with all the work, especially for like entrepreneurs and leaders, like sometimes the work gets us so fatigued and that's a quick way of a very quick access resource to re-energize the body, Absolutely. especially if you don't have room to take a nap uh, or, or sleep, <laughs> like really doing those energizing breaths. Those are the warrior breath, or I think some people call it the dragon breath, like, yeah. like, like really engaging the diaphragm. If we can break up our work into like where we can 
after 30 minutes or an hour of work where we can just do that breath to re-energize, I think is, is so powerful. And yeah. I love what you shared all about having already the, the resources is already within us. That is so true. And we need to do exercises to quiet the mind, to slow the mind enough so that we can hear the voice of intuition. This They call it the small, still voice because <laughs> the mind always speaks loudest and fastest and first that we it drowns out that small voice. And doing these mindfulness exercises, just being so absolutely present will give you access to that hyper-intelligent resource. <laughs> I think like the brain likes to like seek information and read it from books, but there's deep, deep wisdom within us that's available to us if we just slow down and take a moment to listen. Yeah. So right there. cool. As we get to the end of the episode, I want to give you a moment too to talk a little bit about how people can find you online, uh, connect with you if they want to potentially work with you or learn more about you. Yeah. So we have tons of resources on our website, not only just self-development, but also, I mean, and not just things from Jake and I either, but, uh, you know, we have gotten tons of support from psychologists and marriage and family therapists and occupational therapists, like all these people who can help provide the breath and width of what it takes to really be mindful of a whole family and a marriage and, you know, all these things that go into thriving together. So that's all on our website, which is www.thetotalpotential.com. And all of our social handles are at the total potential. And yeah, you can reach us through either one of those and definitely happy to have a conversation or answer questions or whatever it might be. So you can find us there. Awesome. I love that. Thriving together. Oh, yes. So good. <laughs> yes. So it'll change the world. <laughs> It will. I believe that. So remember to follow your heart, to believe in yourself, and to take action. And to remember that success is something you attract by the person you become. We'll catch you next time on the Mental Arsenal Podcast. Hey, Go-Getter. Want to know a quick way to boost your motivation and productivity? Three words. Crystal Clear Goals. I have a guide for it. It's called Goalbook, your guide to crystal clear goals. Head on over to chrisacebo.com slash goalbook and grab your free copy now.